The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Our scripture reading today is Galatians 5, verses 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Thanks, Jess. When I was a kid growing up in Dallas, I was um, <clears throat> quite curious. Um, my dad is an architect, my mom is an interior designer, uh, and I got none of those skills. Um, but I was always curious how things worked, how things looked. Uh, and I still do that. You know, when people come over and um, to our house to do, uh, you know, maintenance work, you know, like uh, repairmen or uh, construction or those kind of things in our house. I'm that guy who they probably look at as like, why are you staring over my shoulder? Because I'm always curious. I'm like, how do you do that? You know, <laughs> I want to see how they fix it. Not because I'm like seeing if they're doing a good job because I actually don't know what they're doing. Um, I just want to see how it works. And, and I was that way as a kid. I always want to know how um, robots, I wanted to always build a robot, but had no like way of doing that. So I just kind of like would stick things together and be like, why doesn't it work? You know, move, start moving, you know. <laughs> Um, and, and at one point, I remember I was also an only child, so if that helps you at all. Some of you only children know exactly what I'm talking about. My dog was my best friend, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I remember, too, uh, in Dallas, so if you're doing the math, Dallas, Texas, heat, uh, you know, trying to grow things. Like, I was thinking, hey, I was eating a watermelon one day, and I thought, man, I, wanna, I want more watermelons. I'm going to take these seeds, I'm going to plant them in the ground, and we'll have more watermelons. That's isn't that easy? And how it works? Math, right? Um, so I go in the backyard. I dig little holes. I even made like a little, you know how you see like string, you know, like people make a little fence. And I put little sticks in the ground and I tied string around it. And in the backyard, I thought, oh, this is a shaded area. But it was like, if I'm really looking back, I think it was complete dry, dusty, like sandy, you know, Dallas, Fort, you know, Texas hard, you know, nasty ground. And I stuck the seeds in there and left. And I just remember coming back day after day, day after day and going, where are my watermelons? Why do I not have watermelons? I did it. The seeds are in there. But where's the growth? I don't see anything. I want my watermelons. And, and, and I just think about how I'm wired. And, and you may be this way too. You see things like that, whether it be curiosity, growth, whatever it is. The, the, the question for all of us is, how do we grow? Because if you really look at the things in your life, and maybe, it, maybe it's still you know, a residual effect from uh, the New Year's resolutions where you're like, I'm going to change this in my life. Maybe Lent right now, maybe you're really taking it seriously, and some of you are saying, I'm going to give up things. But what, what are we really doing? Are we seeing growth? Where's my change, Right? Why isn't it working? Where do we see that? Where does it happen? And, and, and you see it in other ways. I mean, I see it all the time in mine. I'm sure you do in yours, where you see parts of your heart in a conflict with somebody, and you just see the same thing over again. 
You hurt this person again, be it a friend. You messed up again in, in your work. Same patterns over and over, and you go, God, when is that going to change? You see it in a marriage with your kids. In any way around you, and you go, man, why don't I see, where, why isn't it working? Where's the growth? Where's the change? And we make resolutions, and we look to things that hopefully change the ground to grow things up, but nothing's happening. You know, Christianity does something massive and different. It works deeper and more spiritually in a way that has someone that works in us that we may not know does the work even when we don't think it's happening. You know, uh, David Brooks, who I I love his, his stuff, he writes some good things. He wrote a book called The Road to Character. And one of the things he talks about is the difference between what are called resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Some of you may have read an article on this or even read his book. One of the things he's saying there is so many of us bank on what are called resume virtues. He says he proposes these things are like in the contemporary marketplace. Uh, High test scores, uh, professional accomplishments pulled off as an adult, skills met with bigger paychecks, um, public notoriety. But he says what we really need to pursue are what are called eulogy virtues. These are the things that that people praise us for when we're not around to hear it. Things like humility, kindness, bravery. And our society really exalts resume virtues. But what we long for really is those eulogy virtues, right? It's the more humbler things, the things that are deeper. How does that work happen? And I wanna say as a Christian, um, many times we and you can read this passage and you think of this fruit and these wonderful things, you may think of the same thing. Is this just great virtue or is there something more to it? How does it work? How do I see that list in my life? We're gonna talk about that right now this morning. How do we actually grow? And we're gonna see it in this passage in two ways. First is, and notice this, this is the fruit that we have if we find ourselves, if we are followers of Jesus. This is the fruit we have and second, This is the life we live. It's not something you need to attain. It's something you actually already have. What does it mean to have it? And then how do you live it out from this passage? Let's talk about that. So the first question really is the fruit. When we talk about the fruit we have, and you read this, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. How do these things work in us, right? And this is why he tails on there, against such things there is no law. Because up to this point in this letter of Galatians, he's actually trying to encourage these people to say that, you know what, you think, and you may think that to see these great things, or even right before this, he lists a host of really um, negative things about worldly, fleshly things, that to avoid these and to have these means you need to have a certain kind of law in your life. But no. He's saying that's not how it works. How do we actually change? How does, how does the process work of somebody who says they're a Christian actually see their life move from being saved as a Christian, being in Jesus, to living as a Christian and seeing your character actually grow and change? How does that actually work? And the word for this is called sanctification. I don't know if you've ever heard that word before, but the Bible uses this word often. And what this means is that There's a setting apart. The word sanctified, right, you may use that some, is to set something apart, make it holy. 
But what it means here, sanctification, it means that there's a process of removing more and more of our sin and making us more and more like Jesus. That's actually simply what it means. That God is at work in your life right now, even this very second, whether you're asleep, not caring what I'm saying, or whatever, he actually is at work in you and in me to say that he's actually doing something to make you more like Christ. And, and, and there's often these confused parts of like, how does God do this? And I wanna say first, sometimes it's easier to know what something is when you say what it isn't. Let's talk a bit, a bit for what sanctification isn't, what this fruit isn't. It's not first spiritualism or over-spiritualizing things, right? Sometimes we over-spiritualize things and we say, well, we just need to recommit to God over and over. So maybe even now, like in, when I say these things, uh, you just need to, uh, maybe you've done this at a camp, maybe you've experienced this before in a past part of your uh, uh, religious life, you just need to walk the aisle again. You just need to come down. And you just need to recommit yourself. But that's actually not what it means to grow in Jesus, it's just a recommitment. You're just going back to uh, your, what it means to be saved and, and, and reminding yourself of that, which is fine, but a lot of times that's like, the, 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 you know those friendships you have? Look, I do this all the time, and some of you I do this with, and so I'm calling myself out on this. You know those moments when you see people like at church or at the store or somewhere else, and you go, hey, it's so good to see you. We need to get together. Let's have a beer. Let's have lunch. Let's go get coffee, and, and, then, and you don't ever see them, and then the next time you see them, hey, oh, man, we should have done that. Let's get together. Let's have lunch. Let's get a beer. Let's go have coffee, and you keep saying that over and over. You know that? You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? That is exactly what it's like. To over-spiritualize our growth in Jesus is that. It's kind of like coming to God over and over and going, God, oh man, you're so great. This is so great to be in a relationship with you. We should get together soon. Let's do it again sometime. And you just kind of do that over and over again. That's kind of the recommitment kind of phase. But we don't need that. That's not what growth in Jesus is. If we're already in Jesus, we're already his, we don't need to go to him again and say, hey, let's get together again. We need to say, hey, let's actually have that coffee. Let's actually get together. Let's actually do it. It's the actually process of it, right? It's also not fatalism. It's not this, uh, and oftentimes, we may not use this phrase, but we kind of live this way. It's this let go and let God kind of idea. That we just kind of say, hey, I'm a Christian, you know, as, gosh, she said it so well in her song, right? Um, It was Carrie Underwood said, Jesus, take the wheel. Wasn't it Carrie? Was it Carrie or Miranda? I can't remember. I think it's Carrie. Um, It's a great song. It's a great song. Jesus, take the wheel. But that's not sanctification. That's not the growth of what God is asking. He's not wanting us to do that. You know, there's a, I don't know if you saw this, this is an unbelievable moment. Um, it was several months ago. It was a, 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 at an art show in, New, I think it was in New York. I can't remember which um, place, but there was actually a banana duct taped to um, the wall. Did you just see this? Um, unbelievable. Um, and it was art. It was for $120,000. All it was was a banana duct tape wall. Pretty amazing. You could do that at home. Uh, put an apple. Choose your fruit. Well, this comedian goes to, the, goes to the actual exhibit, and it shows this on the screen, and just kind of says, walks up and pulls the banana off and peels it and starts eating this $120,000 banana. And the people are freaking out. And he's like, what? I'm hungry. He's like, isn't that what it's for? Like, this is what, I'm, look, I'm fulfilling performing art, aren't I? And so it was just this big, ridiculous joke. But, but I think oftentimes when we, we do the let go, let God kind of idea in our 
relationship to him and our growth, we're kind of saying this, the fruit we see, this is amazing. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control is the most valuable. Those are the most valuable things you could have, right? But we don't, we put them up on a wall. We treat them as much as, oh, but they're great things, but those are kind of God's things, and I'm just gonna let him hopefully work those things out. We don't really interact with them. When instead, they, they're, it's a banana. We need to eat the banana. It's not just valuable, it's for our nutrition. It's a part of what we see, it's a fruit, right? It's in us. Or we even see this, legalism, and this is what really Paul is getting at here, the legalistic side, and legalism is this, it's setting up a law and say, God, you're doing your work, but I'm gonna do mine, and if I have this formula right, you should, you should kind of deliver. Like, if I work these things out, if I start really working at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, then I'm gonna see, I, sh- I should see some better things in my life. And when you don't see that, you get angry. You get hostile. You feel apathetic. Many of you may even be in that place. You kind of go, man, this list is great, but I don't feel these things at all. Maybe two of them. And then in parts of you are going, gosh, I don't feel close to God. I would say I'm a Christian, but how do I grow? What does that mean? It may be because we've looked at this list and other things as things we need to achieve rather than things that manifest from our relationship with God. One of my favorite professors in seminary, John Hanna, said it this way. He said, when methods promise a great deal more than they actually deliver, the net result isn't victory over sin, but an even greater sense of guilt and heightened awareness of failure. Isn't that what it feels like? If we turn the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God's, our relationship with God into something that's more of a metric or a measurement, then it often produces that. It creates more guilt, not less. It creates more time. I mean, I've used this illustration before with y'all, but it's so, such a good one. My, my time at Easter as a pastor, uh, I was ha- having a Sunday off some years ago, and this is, about, I don't know, gosh, eight, ten years ago, I was sitting in a church, and all I could think of is the pastor's preaching on the resurrection is how much more I need to do for myself, how much I need to do for God. <laughs> So much so I started sweating in the service. That's legalism. That's not freedom. That's not the gospel. That's the fruit of the Spirit is the important understanding that we are responding to the Holy Spirit's work in us. Okay, perfect illustration that you had was the baptism this morning, right? Perfect. It's the best illustration that you get. Because here's what it is. We are, we are working. We're doing that. I'm, I'm holding sweet Caroline. I'm, I'm putting water on her. And we may be responding. But the, the ultimate work is done by the Holy Spirit internally. What the fruit that comes from that is from that relationship. The fruit of the Spirit is the response of the Holy Spirit's work within us. And here's what's amazing about this. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, it is God's spirit himself. So it's not like, and, 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 and this is what you need to understand as a Christian, that being a Christian, and this is what's so hard about it, isn't just like God's here, Jesus is out there, and there's his Holy Spirit roaming around. He actually says, no, 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 in order for you to actually grow, I need to come and reside in you. 
He doesn't just set up behavioral things or things like coming to church, taking communion, having the Bible. Those things are only effective if God is at work within us. Listen, Brian Chapel, who's a, another a great seminary, uh, uh, seminary professor, said it this way. He said, spiritual change is more a consequence of what our hearts love than what our hands do. It first transforms what our hearts love than what our hands do. Hands and hearts coordinate and reinforce each other's functions in the biblical model of sanctification. That is, the work that you're doing reinforces the work that God is doing within you. And this is why Paul uses, why in the world would he say fruit of the Spirit? Because he wants to use an agricultural model to teach us this. Let's dive into that, because that is how we understand it. How this change happens is through this fruit that we have, and it's a brilliant metaphor. And it's not, it's so good for us because if you think about it, just like me with the watermelons, there needs to be something more to that. It's not just we plug the seeds in the ground and hope it happens, right? There's a tending, there's a, a connection there. But listen to how it works. Think about this. These fruit, the fruit of the Spirit first is this, it's singular, I don't know if you noticed that. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit, and that's often what we do when we do sermon series and we split them apart and we say, let's look at this fruit of the Spirit, which is great and we should do that. But it actually is saying fruit. It's singular. It means every single one of these is a part of the whole. You don't have one without the other. These aren't personality traits. They're deeper in us. It's kind of like icons on a Mac. All the icons are there, and oftentimes you probably use about, what, six of the 15 that are lined up there, but if you have them showing, they're all there. But you may use, like, oftentimes, or keep open, you see a little dot next to it, that you have these, like, six, seven ones that you're using all the time, but the fruit of the Spirit is all those things. You have them all. And it really highlights what's in us, right? The, the, the change, the capacity. And, and, and we're not really using, and even like on our Macs, we're probably not using to full capacity or moving forward to what God already has embedded in us to use. That all of these are actually within you. They're not just to sit there. They're actually meant to grow, and we're to tend them. We're to tend the fruit that he actually has in us, that he placed in us, so that we can see more of it coming forward. Not just maintaining, but manifesting. There's a difference, right? Maintaining something is like, you just gotta keep it up, right? You gotta keep things going. Manifesting is seeing more of it. It's this production that, that Lord has given us these things, but pursuing those things. How you see yourself becoming more joyful, more patient, more kind, more faithful, gentle, self-control, peace. Focusing on those things, yes, but knowing these are things that the Holy Spirit is growing in you. It's a fruit. And it's not always easy to measure, right? Just like, just like any agricultural idea here. I don't know how many of you, look, I, I guess I was saying in my uh, watermelon illustration that I was farm to table before anybody else was, but um, not exactly. But you know, like it's hard to measure, right? Because when you stick those seeds in the ground, you don't really see the growth. And, and, and oftentimes, if some of you, some of you may do this at your house, you may grow uh, you know, vegetables in your backyard. I have a lot of neighbors that do that. If you do that, one of the interesting things is you don't see it often. It's hard to measure it. 
Uh, it's, it's almost like may, maybe you have a nephew or a niece or a friend who has a, a child and you don't see them for a while and they live in another state or city and you go visit them or they bring their kid and all of a sudden it's been like three, four months and this child's like shot up, right? You, know, you always hear that. You're like, oh, you've shot up. You know, you hear people say that to you. What, what happened? You don't, you know, it's hard to see the growth. You don't really see it. That's exactly what's going on. And often it's hard to see that measurement. And there's seasons. And some of you may be in these seasons. Look, I've actually been in the exact same seasons where you, you encounter the fruit of the Spirit, these things, and the growth of your relationship with God just lie dormant. Maybe it just sits for a while. Isn't that true? I mean, we're co- now we have daylight savings. Welcome to being awake earlier. But right, you know why they did that? It's for farmers. And oftentimes in the soil, there are seeds that lie dormant, and we don't even know what's in there until it starts to get warmer, until the seasons change and things start coming up. And this happens in the same way. This is why Paul uses this metaphor. Sometimes you are going to see progress in these things. In the, in the parts of your life, you're like, why do I not see change? Some parts you'll see change. Some parts you'll go, wow, I'm actually growing in the fruit of the Spirit. I'm seeing these things that God listed here changing me. I'm becoming more patient in ways where I just can't stand to sit and wait on my friends or, or in, with someone in this place. I'm growing more joyful. I'm growing more faithful. But you know what? There are other things that sometimes you just won't see growth for, for a long time. Maybe even things in your life that you see now that you may see very little change or growth or movement, and it won't even be anything big until Jesus returns. We need to be encouraged in that. You need to be encouraged in that. That's, that's what it means to live in the Spirit, it means that God's work is not always easy to measure. It's not a simple metric. It's not just throwing it out there. But he's always at work. He's always at work. Because it's internal graces, not just gifts or skills. I mean, notice, think about this. This goes deep. If you really want to know, agriculture goes deep, right? For, for a long time when a seed germinates, you don't even see a thing. You don't even know what's really going on. You can't, you just... There's just water, fertilizer, whatever it is being thrown on that area, and there's something happening down deep within. It's always internal. And then it comes out. It's internal. It's deeper. It's far more below the surface. And how do you measure that growth? Just as was said earlier, I mean, a lot of times we measure our growth by activity rather than by what's really internally being changed. You know what was always asked of me when I was... Um, as a pastor, like, what's one of your favorite moments? And um, many of us say this, it's the, uh, it's, we call it an aha moment. It's when you sit with somebody and you're actually talking to them, and they're not, there's no doing of ministry or spiritual things, but in that moment, you're talking about something, and all of a sudden, they say, aha, I get it. Something just broke through. Something deeply cut into their character and they saw themselves for the first time and they connected it to how they are loved and known in Christ. And they go, that's the root of it. That's the beginning of change. It's when you really see those things. It's not when you're just doing activity because that's how we like to measure it. It's not just outward skills or gifts. It's internal work. 
And sometimes we see more of that than others. But what gets in us? This is what's amazing about God's wisdom. He saw it fit to put himself as deep within us as possible. So that there's no part of you, no corner of you, no place in your heart, mind, soul that is not touched or transformed by his power and growth. Even when we may not see it. It's deep. And here's how you know it. What is stronger? And you know this at wherever you live. You could, in an apartment, in a house. What is stronger? Concrete? Or vegetation. What do you, I'm always amazed at the asphalt driveway that I have. And right in the middle of it, out of nowhere, is this just little bitty plant growing. And I'm like, what is, what? This is so random. But it's because in the smallest crack, in the smallest place that I would never think could germinate any seed or growth is that very thing. And what does it even do over time? It starts to rip apart the asphalt, this little bitty thing that if I went down and grabbed it and pulled it up, it would just be uprooted. But yet it has the strength to split apart concrete. And that's what God is doing. Many of you may have feel that tough ground of your heart and life. But God, there's no place within you that cannot have the settling seeds of God's germinating fruit come up and even start to break apart the hardness that you may feel. It may be small, but it is unstoppable. There is nothing that can stop the Holy Spirit from actually working within you. Now, some of you are going, well, what if I start disobeying? Okay, sure, you can do that. But what convicts you? What reminds you of what the fruit is, who you really are? It takes you back. Those who go back are changed by that work, the character. Look, don't take my word for it. Take Bono's word for it, right? Told my kids. My kids are starting to get into U2 because they're my favorite band. And they're like, why is it your favorite band, Dad? I'm sure some of you are asking the same thing. I love what Bono says about growth. Listen to what he says. Your nature is a hard thing to change. It takes time. I've heard of people who've had life-changing, miraculous turnarounds, people who set free from addiction after a single prayer, relationships saved where both parties let go and let God. But it was not like that for me. For all that I was lost and I am found, it is probably more accurate to say I was really lost and I'm a little less so at the moment. And then a little less and a little less again. That to me is a spiritual life. The slow reworking and rebooting of the computer at regular intervals, reading in the small print of the service manual, it has slowly rebuilt me in a better image. And it has taken years through. And it is not over yet. Thank you, Bono. Isn't that honest? Isn't that what we really see? Isn't that who we really are? Look, the life we live here is this powerful thing, and that's the fruit that we have, and you need to know that you have it, but listen, look what he says. He says, he says this in verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step. That's another uh, translation. Walk, it says walk, but keep in step. What do we do with this? 
It says, if you really belong, then you start crucifying those things. It means we're not on defense, we're on offense. It means we start attacking the things that are actually in our life. It's using crucifixion language. And for us, we're used to it. We're used to seeing crosses hung in churches. We're used to those things. For him to mention a cross to a group of Greeks and say, crucify the flesh, was really weird. It would be like me saying, hey, you need a lethal injection, your sin. Sounds odd, doesn't it? Uncomfortable. Aggressive. Provoking. That's what he's trying to do. He's saying, if you really see these things in your life, you pursue them and attack them to kill them. Because if this is the fruit we have, this is the life we can live. And notice, he doesn't begin by saying, and those who, and he doesn't just jump in and say, and crucify the flesh. He says, and those who belong to Jesus, if you belong to him, then you can crucify. If you switch that, if you try to crucify the flesh so that you can belong to Jesus, that's where we have the problems to begin with. Because we're trying to kill something we can't. We have to actively address the sin in us. What does it really mean to see that? I got to hear um, Governor Haslam speak some time ago. And one of the things that he spoke about were kind of five major things to do in a campaign. This is a, a while, this is several months ago, maybe even years. And it was fascinating to hear him actually say, uh, what, what, what's the number one thing? What is the number one thing you would think to begin doing a campaign? And everybody's throwing out answers, and he says, no. He says, the first thing you do is opposition research on yourself. You research yourself and figure out anything and everything you can about what everything else and everyone else says about you. Because before you launch that campaign, you got to really see the dirt that is on you. You know what pursuing and crucifying killing, using this metaphor to say, it's doing opposition research. It's actually knowing and seeing the things in you so that you can attack them more vehemently. And the Puritans used to call some of these things uh, darling sins. They used to say, we have things are called darling sins. Some of us think the Puritans are all these like straight and narrow. No, no, they were genius in the way that they addressed the actual things they saw in their hearts. They called them darling sins, the sins that we go, oh, but it's okay. You know, this thing, it doesn't, it's kind of harmless. Kind of think of it like a small, you know, pet someone would take on an airplane. You know, it's it's, it's, it's got a carrying case. It's not going to make any noise. Fine. It's It's a darling. Oh, it's sweet. I said, no, those are the things even more so. What are the places, not just that you know that are bad. Earlier when we had confession, you're like, I gotta confess this. But the things that you're like, that's not so bad. That you really need to address. That I really need to address. And that we have the willing, the ability to do it. And that's what we're against. That's what we're to reject. But then he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step or walk with the Spirit. That we're supposed to walk forward. That's a positive work. And this means in the, here's, here's what I loved about this. The word here is stand in a row. In other words, the word in, uh, for keep in step is walking in a definitive line. And it's language used even in military, but in dancing. And you know it. I mean, I'm a horrible dancer. So some of you are really good. And you know when you're doing well in dancing. Uh, And it's in a line. 
And you know when you're watching something that, mm, that's not so good, that's not in line. Um, <laughs> uh, you could watch me. We got one of these games for our Wii, uh, for uh, our kids, you know, we got one of the Wii controllers so our kids don't just sit and play video games, they can stand up and like go crazy. Um, perfect for the winter. And one of the games that we got is called Just Dance 2020, right? All the new updated things. You hold the Wii and it, you can click through songs. And the game is you try and pattern the dancers, the really good dancers on the screen. And uh, I'll tell you, there's nothing like this game that'll make me feel like I can actually dance. Um, because it, it, does, it shows at the bottom, it shows the movement to do the movement. And then on the screen, you're watching the people do it perfectly. And it's amazing how many times it just lights up and says, good, good, perfect, great. And the star, you get all these stars at the top. And yet, I'm not doing any, I, I just know, like if you came to my house and you're watching me and then you looked at the screen, you're like, that's not so much what's happening on the screen. <laughs> and yet, what an affirmation that it, it actually draws me into the screen to say, yeah, you're dancing just like these people. It's crazy. But that's, the walk with the Spirit. We're coming to a table now where you actually get to walk to this table and you get to taste your relationship with God. But notice, you have to walk to this table. You have to uh, take in the elements. You can't just come and be around them. You have to actually take them in. There's a work that you have to do. But we're doing it in response to something else. Just like the baptism, the water doesn't do the work of changing Carolyn's heart. This doesn't, just because just you take the bread and the wine, doesn't do the effect in you. We're actually by faith trusting that God will make these real, a real meal, joining in your heart by faith. This is where he actually transforms you. This is where I would ask for you to pray. Prepare your heart in a moment. When we go to silence, to prepare your heart to come to this table, not just trying to muster up affection, or not just trying to, to see if you confessed all your sins right, <clears throat> but to bring yourself to this table knowing that God, no matter what size that crack is in your concrete heart, can germinate and grow the fruit of the Spirit in it. And that you would leave this table knowing and praying and pursuing and killing the things that keep you from this table and pursuing the things that bring you to it because you belong to Christ. That's what this table is. And don't come to this table, please don't. If you're here this morning and, and, you're, and you're thinking, the fruit of the Spirit, those are great virtues. I want to have those great eulogy virtues. It's more than virtue. It's a relationship with the one who comes to dwell in us to make us more like him.